Hey guys, before we begin, the original cast is having its very first live show at the first ever Flying V Awesome-a-thon. It's a 24-hour live performance fundraiser for Flying V Theater, and we're going to be a part of it. The Awesome-a-thon is being held at the Bethesda Chevy Chase Building at 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, on December 10th at 4.30 p.m. Tickets are pay what you can, which is the good news. The bad news is there are no advanced sales, so it's first come, first served. I've started a Facebook event so we can get a sense of how many people are coming and where you can find uh, more information about the show. And you can find that either through our Facebook page or through a special URL I've set up for all of my parts of the Awesome-a-thon. I've actually got a couple things going on. And you can find out all about them at unknownpenguin.com slash live. The live show is going to be a different format. Instead of just one guest talking about one recording, we're going to have the entire creative team behind the Flying V musical, You or Whatever I Can Get, that was a big hit at the Fringe Festival here in D.C. a few years ago and just had it opened at uh, the Silver Spring Black Box earlier this year. Everyone's going to be there. They're all going to come out and we're going to talk about love songs and everyone, including myself, is going to sing. So uh, if you're in the D.C. area, or if you're not, I have some towns here uh, that are two hours away, only two hours away from DC. So if you live in or around Front Royal, Virginia, Hershey, Pennsylvania, or anywhere in the entire state of Delaware, you are within two hours of Bethesda, Maryland and can come on down to our show. So one last time, December 10th, 4.30 p.m., the Bethesda Chevy Chase Building, 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, Flying V Theater's Awesome-a-thon. It's gonna be a thing. I hope you can make it. Unknownpenguin.com slash live for more information. Okay, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. When John Delaporta was here talking about Guys and Dolls, we discussed the issue of dialogue on cast albums in so much depth, I decided it warranted its own intermission. As always, we join the conversation already in progress. But so this cast album, this is funny you bring this up because we've talked about this a couple times on this show. This is also representing an era where... As you said, like there were tons of revivals. There was yeah. this, and then She Loves Me, the Boyd Gaines revival right behind it. And um, Des Enough, How to Succeed. Des Enough's How to Succeed, right, with Matthew Broderick. And there were just these, these sort of reimaginings of these 50s musicals mm-hmm. and 60s musicals. And there seemed to be a ton of them. I mean, I agree yeah. with you that I think that obviously they had revivals like for a long time, but this is this is around the time because the Tonys for a long time used to only give one award for best revival mm-hmm. it used to not differentiate between play and musical that started somewhere in this time because okay, there was all musical the they split the categories into play and musical um, but in any event because there was also that one year I think it was actually it might have been that was 94 where it was almost all revivals and the only two original shows up for best musical can you name them? 1994. 1994. Were Sunset Boulevard and Smokey Joe's Cafe, the Lieber and Stoller uh, jukebox musical. <laughs> there was only one nominee for Best Original Score, which was, which Weber? was Sunset Boulevard. Oh, Wouldn't wow. have been hilarious if he didn't win. <laughs> so I always oh. think. And I saw that production of Sunset. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but there's something that, that's happening with these revivals is that because they have. 75 to 80 minutes instead of 60 or whatever you can fit on an LP. They are putting in stuff 
that was not on the original recording. Sure. Dialogue, of course. But then also this album has the Crapshooters Dance, mm-hmm. which wasn't on the original. It has Havana, as we said, which is an extended kind of dance uh, yeah. section. Which is completely different than the orchestration, than, than any version of it you can get in a licensable. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And made for this. And there's a couple other little moments and things that were the on track that is, isn't on the original recording. Um, longer versions of Take Back Your Mink. These songs were kind of rewritten and expanded and then recorded. But what it leads to, to me, because at the time I loved it. I loved all the dialogue. I wanted all of it. I wanted every single moment. Oh, yeah. More, more, more. more, Absolutely. But now going back and listening to it, I really have to say I side with the older way of doing it because it makes for a more... I'm skipping stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to, like that's really what it is. I'm skipping over stuff. Well, there, I think that it, it became a thing in later cast recordings where they started to separate them on tracks. It's like you can yeah. listen to a little dialogue here and then right. you can listen to the song. Right, which is what Secret Garden did, which is also of this period where all the dialogue oh, was kind same, of you're right, same co- era. contracted to to separate tracks. So you could mm-hmm. just listen to the song. And that's what Fun Home did when they put out their album is all the dialogue is on Fun separate on tracks. tracks. But this has it. Like Adelaine's Lament has that scene Lead. Look, Adelaide, you're getting yourself upset. You and I are going to be all right. <laughs> After all, we love each other, and we're going to get married. I don't believe you anymore. But it's true. Oh, you'll feel better tomorrow. Come on, cheer up, honey. Let's see that old smile. <laughs> That's my girl. See you tomorrow. Yeah. And there's a couple of... Havana has a scene it's lead. It's like they felt like they needed to be frugal with the tracks for some reason. Yeah, like, with the number of tracks. That's yeah. right. <laughs> They're like, well, we can only do 12 tracks. Right. So we better lump all this on one have a lot track. of songs in it, though. I mean, I'm looking at this thing, and it's got 21 tracks, which, I mean, is a huge number. Yeah. Pretty evenly split, 12 in the first act, mm-hmm. and then the rest in the second act. Um, but yeah, so all that... Di- it's something I used to crave and I used to love. We talked about it before, I think, in the episode with Eric Messner when we talked about the Who's Tommy, mm-hmm. which is a two-CD thing, obviously, that has tons of dialogue on it and I think far too much. Possibly in excess. but Just a tiny bit. Um, <laughs> it is, but it is... I, I kind of come down on both sides of the issue with the songs because it's nice to have those... or Let the orchestra have those moments. It's nice to have these things that are in the show recorded. But like another one, it, it still goes on to today. I mean, we were talked about that, that 2011 cast of How to Succeed. Yeah. Every tiny reprise, every single oh, musical yeah. moment is on that album. And like, if you're, rehe- if you're a high school rehearsing How to Succeed, that's amazing because you can play that in rehearsal like while the band is... Le- you know, because they always oh, just sure. do that. You play the album. So you but sing it's, also a, it's also horrible because you're, whoever is music directing that production has to... Well, then like, has to write, start like, rehearsing to those dance breaks and then they have to like chop up the music yeah. to time out the right way. That's very true. Or in our case, like had to s- try to slavishly like figure out how to... Transcribe Runyon Land, which is the overture of the revival, right? Which is completely well, would, different than the original, right? And it's it, so it's so I I kind of come down to the, like I, and I was doing one of my, my my son right now is loving is listening to Newsies a lot, uh, the Broadway recording of Newsies, mm-hmm. and Newsies this record. I mean, first of all, I will say I am not the world's biggest Newsies fan. Okay, I don't hate it, but whatever, it's not you know anyway, not a big deal. Um. <laughs> But one thing, what Newsies does is the thing I I think is the worst, which is it has all those long music breaks in the song, but which where there's dancing, Mm -hmm. and then it has the actors saying they're sort of like tiny little semi improvised lines, like oh check it out, look what's happening. How about that, huh? Yeah, you see this, Mr. Pollard? 
and I just find that to be so... Just play the music. Just play the music. Let me listen to the music mm -hmm. without anybody... And, you know, I, they're dancing over it. Who gives a darn? So it's, yeah. I remember feeling that way with, like, the first time I heard, like, the 42nd Street cast albums. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Like, when I was a sophomore in high school, I became obsessed with tap dancing. Like, I started mm -hmm. studying it. Like, it was because they had done 42nd Street as the high school musical for us. And okay. then... And I was in the back row, and I was I was not happy about not that. Not happy about being in the like, back. I'm gonna right. learn to tap dance now. Right. Um. So I loved those recordings where you just hear those like. Yeah, that's a, I like, like I like tap dancing because I like to hear because that's it's also rhythmic though it's like percussion. Sure, but what then happened was been. the revival of Forty Second Street put out a new cast album, and for some reason they decided that We're in the Money was gonna have a clean orchestra track mm -hmm. that we we're gonna put taps on every other track, but Except we're, in we're in the Money is clean and. For some reason, I loved that because mm -hmm. it's just like okay now like I'd by two thousand one I'd been tapping for like three years so mm -hmm. like I plug in my headphones I put my my Sony Discman into into don't shake mode sure right and then I would just carry it around and dance around my 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 living mm -hmm. room like and I could hear my own feet and that was kind of cool mm -hmm. that's pretty neat yeah okay. see I mean, it's just it's a thing of like. The reason I bring it up is because this is sort of the beginning of that era of being like, we have all this time, we're going to use it. Right, right. And that isn't always mm -hmm. the right answer to me. These sort of, some of these little constraints make, now with iTunes and things, mm -hmm. like to me, when you can buy it track by track, then put all the, put put it all out there. <laughs> absolutely. And make those tiny, I mean, it's also Especially the since you can make your own like music only playlist. Right. Too. You can, absolutely. You can structure it. So I, I don't, like this sort of, listening to this again for this recording, I was reminded of just how much dialogue, intro lines, and quasi dead space almost it feels like is on this. Yeah. Of those in between, like we say before My Time of Day, there's that long scene with that lovely saxophone mm -hmm. solo. Oh, yeah. And I would just like to hear the saxophone solo before he starts singing. Sure. What time is it? I don't know, four o'clock. This is your time of day, isn't it? I'm not usually up this late. How do you like it? So peaceful and wonderful. I agree with you. Like some now, I'm at a point where if I get a cast album, I kind of just want to gun through it and just listen. I'm really glad the new "She Loves Me" recording is kind of light on dialogue, mm -hmm. except for "How did you like the library, Alona?" Right. Which I feel like you can't <laughs> not put on that song. Like some dialogue, you, you I feel like, mm -hmm. like nobody wants to hear "Trip to the Library" start with just and suddenly. Oh, I didn't know what to do or where to go, and somehow my feet started walking down the street, across the bridge, past the Metropole Cinema, and do you know where? No, where? Right into the library. The library? Can you imagine? <laughs> well, how did you like it? Oh, you've never seen such a place. So many books. So much marble. And so quiet. And suddenly, all of my confidence dribbled away with a pitiful plop. My head there are certain, yes, in, in an ideal, well, unlike if you have a good recording of Carousel and it's If I Love You, if you're going to do that complete thing, yeah. that's dialogue and song mm -hmm. and music underneath it, and yet that's a, that's where one of those times where it has to be, it, it can be utilized to the full effect. But I feel there's this trend that kind of started around the early 90s where cast albums trended away from simply being a collection of songs from a show right. to being a record of the show itself. And yeah. to be like, you can put in this album 
and experience the show. Mm-hmm. Kind of from top to bottom. Do you think that that's kind of why there were so many revivals at that time? It's like they had this new technology. It's like we have an opportunity to preserve big certainly, that we never could. I'm sure it was an influence on it where it's certainly been like we can now release a cast album that's the full version yeah. of whatever. And like, so people will buy it. Like there's some mysterious song from a Golden Age musical that like most people have just never heard. Right. Because yeah. it's not on the album. They see it when they think they go see the show and stuff. Yeah. But like, and yeah, so... It, it's just a difference of the way, but I mean, it, sure. it didn't start at this period, obviously. But it was something that—it's it, something that kind of—I've read interviews with the great Goddard Lieberson, who was a record producer in the '60s and did like uh, West, sort of pioneered the cast album and did like West Side Story and and Anyone Can Whistle, a lot of early Sondheim and a lot of you know to some of the best cast albums of all time yeah. from that period. He did them, and his motto was always no dialogue because di- not only because it takes up time, but also because. You, the more you listen to dialogue, it can kind of climb up your spine a little bit, whereas music mm-hmm. is just music. So he did, yes, as mu- as little as you possibly could. But then his protege, Thomas Shepard, mm-hmm. who did Company and uh, a couple, like, what, and the one I'm going to cite now with is Merrily We Roll Along, yeah. which has a ton of dialogue Tons. on it. Oh, God. But I, because that show was gone, and I think he really went... Like, this is the record of this cast. This is the record of the show. Like, I have yeah. to include this whole opening number. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad he did because, of course, then they cut that opening number. Right. So, so like, that's all we've got. That's all we have The Hills of, that. of Tomorrow. Right. And that graduation scene at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, like, I can see them thinking, like, oh, this show's going to go away forever. Nobody yeah. will ever hear it. And then I think I have more cast recordings of Merrily than any right. other show. Anything else? Well, do you know, do you know where it went? Right after Broadway? Uh, where? It went to Catholic University. Oh. Catholic oh. University did the original Broadway production right after it closed on Broadway. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Very, I don't Fancy. remember why, but there's a, there was a reason. <laughs> the original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Tom Fish, Jeffrey Madison, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at Unknown Penguin. We have our first live show coming up December 10th. 10th, 4.30 p.m. as part of the Flying V Awesome-a-thon at 4805 Edgemore Lane. For more information, please visit unknownpenguin.com slash live. You can subscribe to the original cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to John Delaporta for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Ah!